Hey there, welcome to the Home with Havala podcast. I'm Ben Cunnington doing today's intro. I'm so glad you're here. And it is February and we're kicking off an entire month around female friendships. I am going to be your expert to help you navigate your female friendships. No, I'm totally kidding. I am not the expert, but Havala is super excited to take four weeks. She has gathered a handful of her friends from around the world to dive into this topic of how do we navigate friendship together as women. It can be a challenge. It can be complicated. It can be there can be drama involved and just how do we how do we do that in a healthy godly way and so she is jumping right in today with her good friend Andy Andrew her and her husband have been pastors for years in New York City in the heart of the city they have a beautiful family she is an author as well and a speaker she runs a women's conference called she is free for many years now and it is going to be an awesome uh, way to kick off this month's theme of female friendships you're not going to want to miss it we're going to jump in in just a second Um, but andy has a uh, fairly new book her most recent book is called friendship it's complicated avoid the drama create authentic connection and fulfill your purpose together so as we go throughout this month, Havla's going to have uh, a couple more guests on to just dive into this topic and navigate women and friendship and how do we do that well and just get some different perspectives. It's going to be great. It's going to be deep. It's going to be profound. I think it's really going to help you out. So share this with your friends. Uh, we encourage you to always share this podcast. If you're listening right now, take a screenshot, share it on social media, tag us. Uh, we may even repost it. And don't forget to, um, yeah, just tune in all month long. So without further ado, join Havala and Andy Andrew as we kick off this month's theme of female friendship, part one. This month we're hitting on female friendships and you were at the top of my list because (laughs) we were at an event. Well, you and I have known each other for a long time and you've written other books that I've really, really loved and talked about. But when we were at this event together, you and I uh, got to connect and you handed me this book called It's Complicated. And you were like, this on friendships, this is for you. And I remember getting to my hotel room and I immediately started flipping through it and just was pulled into this <laughs> book because it's something that nobody really talks about. And it feels kind of awkward. Like, aren't we yeah. all supposed to have friends? And like we're, we're best adults. Forever. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're adults. adults. So adults should need help with friendships, but it's not yeah. true at all. So I'm curious, let's just start from scratch. Why yeah. did you write the book? What was the the thing that made you go, we need to talk about yeah. this? Well, I needed this book five years ago because my friendships were burning to the ground and I was adult female woman, a female woman. I don't know why I gave you all of that, <laughs> but I'm this adult leading a church. I've got friends, but like every single one of my close relationships just started to literally burn to the ground. And I went, how, what am I doing wrong here? I would love to, like, I wanted to like journal and point out everything they were doing wrong, of course. Um, but that I was looking for a resource, looking for a book, looking for a woman that had gone before me that talked about this, wrote about this and not in a, I, I, I hope I can say this, but not in a cheesy way where I'm like, this is too lighthearted. It's not getting to the root of the issues that we have as women, when we're trying to walk through friendships together. And honestly, I felt like the Holy spirit said this first thing to me and said, Hey, Andy, 
you are the common denominator in every relationship that you're in. And I was like, wow. So we're going to just start with me taking radical ownership of my own heart and life, because yes, I would love to make a list and point out all of the issues with other people, which yes, it's a two-way street, but the one thing I could change was my life. And so instead, what I started to do was go, well, I can't find a resource. So Lord, I just need you to teach me and lead me. And so five years ago was kind of the birthplace of that. And where he took me was basically what chapter one is all about was the woman wound and my issues with my mom. And I was like, wow, we're going to just like do open heart surgery in chapter one. So Can if you talk do about that for yeah. a minute, because yes. I, that was so profound. I know you have a video on that as well with your mm-hmm. mom. So this isn't something where your mom is not in the picture. She's in your life. You have a healthy relationship yeah. at this point. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I, I, I think at least in my core group and friends over the years, mom wounds and women wounds are really like a real thing that no one ever talks about. It's dad wounds. It's never mom wounds. And so I would love to talk about that. Yeah. I think that, gosh, uh, yes. My mom and I have this beautiful redeemed relationship. We've worked really hard at it. My mom even writes part of chapter one, which is really beautiful, giving her testimony and sharing part of her story at the end. I had to get legal permissions, you know, to write all of the things (laughs) about her. Um, But so what ended up happening there was like, the Lord took me back to move forward. He's like, okay, so what I want to do, Andy, is I want to take you to this place where you can see where you started some of these really unhealthy relationship cycles. And it started with the first woman who had the power to hurt you and wound you, which is your mother. And so when I went back, I mean, I I have shared this and I, I mean, this is a whole nother topic. I want my parents to write the story one day, but we grew up in a religious cult, which was so wild and crazy. And there's a lot of story to that. I'm sure people's minds ping everywhere when you say something like that. But now I know the backstory of my parents' life. So as a grown up, I can have grace for them. But what what that turned out to be like for me as a little girl. And I'm one of those people too, that I have memories as a one and a half and a two-year-old. I remember everything. I remember senses of smell moments, what happened. My mom's like, how do you remember that moment? And so I went back to my childhood and I realized the damage in my relationship with my mom had to do with the fact that she didn't have anybody. And they were walking through the, honestly, the most difficult season. It's not my story to share, but when I realized what they were walking through, she used me as her emotional mother. So from a young age, I can remember her opening up to me about things that were completely inappropriate. I mean, I would never talk to my kids like this. I would never share things like this. And because I am a deep feeler and I have a lot of empathy and discernment and all of that, now we had to turn it into discernment. Lord, give me wisdom. Um, <laughs> I, I carried her stuff for her and I tried to be the one who always made the house fun and peaceful and calm, made sure my mom was okay. And it's codependence. I, I was a raging codependent from a very young age. So fast forward, you become, you know, an adult and you're trying to have healthy relationships with women that are your age. And if you don't know how to ha- differentiate between what's yours and theirs, you just automatically start going having a savior complex and carrying their stuff for them. And then the crash and burn happens when you're not enough. And I mean, see, because chapter one is the woman wound, but then I self-protect and isolate as well. So I'll be all in. I love you. Let's be best friends forever. And then I'm like, no, 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 you're too much for me. That's too much for me. I can't carry that for you. I did that my whole life. I can't do that anymore. Who's the common denominator? Me. And so 
I have had to, I mean, I'm in recovery. I'm in this beautiful recovery group with other pastors right now. Um, and I'm in recovery for codependency. Like we're just allowing God to recover and restore and heal all of those areas where I didn't know how to enter into healthy relationship with other women. And so now I have to learn how to own that. So that's where I started, but the woman wound comes in many forms. And I think that's what I try to do is try to really crack that open to get you to a place where you can sit before God and go, gosh, what, what are the wounds that I have not allowed you to heal so that I can actually start to have different experiences with women and, you know, yeah, you'll get hurt again, (laughs) but, but it is worth it. This book is all about risk. Really? You're you're saying really like some of us were just slapping band-aids on wounds, a big wound that we were given, I always say in childhood, well, before we knew how to help ourselves, we were in pain. And so what happens like, for the women that are listening to this right now, and they're saying like, Andy, I know my mom was a punk. Like, I know she wasn't <laughs> the right, the right mom for me. Like, yeah. I feel like I've dealt with that, but like friendships do feel hard for me. Or yeah. a, another one that's like, my mom was great. Like she was just fine, but I, I still have a hard time with female friendships. Are you really saying that it starts with evaluating the wholeness of ourselves first before mm-hmm. we can go out and do any friendship? Is that yeah, what you're kind of saying? Yeah, I would say, because even the way that this book is broken down, I mean, the first half is about facing yourself and the second half is then about intentionality and uncomplicating all the things and, and being intentional in relationships. Because if we don't work on walking in wholeness with Christ in our own life, what we do is we step into any, any relationship we're in, whether that's marriage with our children, we all have unspoken expectations. We have these things that we're hoping that somebody will fulfill for us, whether we tell them or not. So if we don't get to a place where we face ourselves and deal with our own wounding and pain, what, whether that was with our mother or somebody else, we will show up to most relationships hoping that someone and nervous that they will or won't, and that it could crash and burn, or it might be bad, or it might be good. If we don't deal with those things, it's really hard to walk confidently into any relationship as yourself, like take me or leave me. I love who I am and I'm okay as in all of my imperfection. And so I think that that's where we have to deal with the wounding. And I would love to, can I quickly share something with you about how people can walk that through? I would love Um, that. Okay, cool. Because I, uh, this was so empowering for me when I, you know, had this season of crash and burn. Um, I went away to this beautiful counseling center for two weeks and they gave this amazing progression that anybody can do in their own quiet time with Jesus. And here's what we have to understand. We live in the now, but not yet. Jesus has come to restore and recover our lives, but we're not in the new heaven and new earth. So therefore there will be wounding. The devil prowls around like roaring lions, seeking whom he may devour and he uses relationships and people to bring wounding and it's hard. So when we are wounded, what we have to understand is, okay, go back maybe to that moment of wounding, sit with Jesus and go, okay, when we're wounded, what happens? A lie comes in. The enemy loves to lie to us in the moment of wounding. And then from that lie, what do we start to do? We create a false belief system. So we start to believe things that are not true. And we project that upon the world around us from that false belief system. What do we start to do? We start to build, um, we start to build this stronghold. We're like, I'm going to protect myself, whether that is with isolation, anger, fear, we're, we're good at protecting ourselves. And from back behind that little self-protection mechanism that we create, we start to say vows. Like I will never trust another woman again. I'll never go back to church. I'll never, I'll never. And then we find that we're living from this false self. So it's very hard to be in relationship with people when we're operating from a false self. So what do you have to do? You have to sit with God and go, okay, write it down, journal, turn on music, do whatever you got to do. 
go to a moment of wounding and go, wow, what's the lie I believed there, Lord, and write it down and go, okay, Lord, tell me the truth. What's the truth about who I am in that moment, whatever happened, and then go to the false belief. What's the false belief system I've been living by? I mean, this changed my life when I realized how many false belief systems I had been operating with. And when the Lord started to give me true belief systems to be able to speak and live by, it it rocked my world. And then I had to repent of the, the strongholds that I built around myself. So I repented of anger and control and isolation. And then from there, what do you do? You just, you renounce the vows like, oh, I renounce the vow that I will never have a friend again. And then you start to realize, well, even though I'm imperfect, I'm operating from this place of strength in who I am. And so when you show up to the table in friendship, it's just healthier and you know how to own your stuff and go, Hey, that's yours. I'm not going to carry that for you. Wow. 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 I feel like that right there could be like an entire year. Yeah. What you're doing is giving us that practical, like mind renewal, go back to the beginning. I want to say there's personal lies that we believe and then there's societal lies that we're told and marketed to. So like we're told we should be really good at friendship and we should have a lot of people around us that like us and just know everything about us. And it should be great. Like friends, like we should be living on the friend set, you know, and they've done sex in the city and all these different friend stories. That's all about friends, have each other's back, talk about life, do it. But I rarely find that that's even really true. Like there's maybe a few people I've ever met that stayed friends with their college friends and they still hang out to this day. So your life changes. And then also there's, like you said, brokenness that happens. And I would almost say that friendships are almost like bad breakups because you get yourself, you get excited, you make these huge declarations, we're together. Somebody uses the best friend phrase first, like the L word, all of a sudden (laughs) we're in it. And then they don't show up for you or you don't show up for them when they, when they need you. And then there's a, you know, pulling back and isolation. And then all of a sudden there's a broken heartedness on either side and there's a loss. And so I love what you're saying. I love it. I love it. Cause what you're saying, and I, and I just want to get this so clear, like we go back and we think about our first female friendship, whether it's our mom, our grandma, an aunt, somebody in our life where we knew there was something that happened. And I think it's really important because when some of us, and I remember this in counseling when I first was there, I always was under the blanket of, I had a good childhood. My childhood's yeah. fine. I have good mm-hmm. parents. So it was almost like, oh, well, I don't really have a right to have anything wrong because I had a working parent. I had a working mom and dad. But what we don't have to, what you have to understand and what you said so clearly is our personalities have a propensity towards vulnerabilities mm-hmm. that the enemy knows and he sets us up. So codependency was a clear one. And I definitely identify with that in a lot. I was the problem solver in my house. Mm -hmm. I totally under, I identify that with that. So I'm curious once somebody takes this move to like, okay, I'm going to take this moment. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to ask Jesus what he thought about me. What lie did I believe? What am I renouncing? What are we repenting of? Yeah. How do I deal with, okay, now that I'm ready for new new, how am I going to know that I did the work? That's probably the first thing I think mm. people are going to ask. How do I know I did the work that yeah. I'm in a safe and healthy place to start pursuing friendships again? Well, I think it's happening as you go. I think that's the whole thing is like, we're never out of relationship with people. There's always people around. And I think it's just being able to walk humbly before people and with people that, um, you know, 
are going to walk through that with you. So like, even I think for all of us, let's just call it what it is. The last couple of years, all of our relationships have changed every single one of us. There's not one of us that's listening or watching that have not had, whether that's a friend breakup or differences of opinion that have just brought this chasm between you and a friend or a family or whatever that is. And so I think what we have to realize is, wow, like there's a lot of things that we're confronting all at the same time. Relationships don't just disappear and you don't get to go and work through this stuff in isolation. It's a continual part of our sanctification of us laying our lives down on a daily basis and going, well, I think I'm better than I was a couple months ago. I think I'm better than I was a year ago. I think I'm more healthy than I am. And I think that's even in the hard conversations. Um, So not just when things are going great and you're close, like crew of friends. And I love one of my favorite chapters is the chapter called circles and talking about being aware of that and how Jesus had friendships and following in the way, truth and life of Jesus, even relationships and friendships. And but realizing like that even in the hard things, like even when you have to have a confrontation and make peace with someone and a friendship may end, that that may even be a healthy thing that shows that you've grown where you're like, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is difficult. And then there may be the ones where you're like, I have got this rich group of friends that I've intentionally cultivated. So it's, it's both. And it's like all happening at the same time. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Now, this is the question I think about, because yes, I agree. What, okay. Did you go talk to your mom? How did you know? Okay. It's time to go after this and have the conversation. Yeah. Do you recommend that with women that are listening to this and saying, go back and figure this out or leave it alone? It's a great question. So I think that all has to do with reciprocity. Do you have a mom that is safe to have a conversation with? Because if you don't, then what I would say is you need to walk through the process of reconciliation before God and release them. But if they have not been safe or are abusive, or um, they're not in a space where they're willing to talk because you know, oh gosh, if I start to talk, it's going to become this manipulative conversation. It's going to become weird. It's all going to get thrown back on me. Then you know that it's not time yet. So you have to have discernment knowing, is this what I need to do? But what you can do is do the work in your own heart and go, God, I'm going to need your help because this is difficult at Christmas, at Thanksgiving, when my mom calls and I don't want to answer when she just like tells me I'm a horrible person because I don't give her enough or whatever that is. And so, so with my mom, it's been a long progression and it's been over the years, a lot of intentional healing and all started, um, right before my firstborn was born. And that was like the major beginning of us choosing, let's walk out a relationship of restoration on purpose. And I write about that one actually, and she is free, but the, um, but, but the recent stuff was more intense, but there's a a beautiful story that I write in there too, where my mom just rocked my world. And I, I literally had deliverance in this moment where I talked to her. Cause I, I was like, mom, I'm trying to write this book, but I have to write about us. And I, I mean, I was having this severe issue sobbing, like the hysterical sobbing, you know, like embarrassing. I'm sobbing with my mom on the phone going, I, I feel like this is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and she just, she just looked at me in the eyes and goes, you know what? You're right. And she goes, and I am so sorry. I was boundaryless and I'm so sorry. I hurt you. And and then I just started sobbing more, but it was like this great moment of deliverance. And she goes, and I trust you. You can write whatever you want in the book. And I'm like, what? So I know that moment is not going to come for everybody. I know like the heartbreak of not being able to have that conversation 
I know the heartbreak of open loops with friend breakups and things where you're like, we may never talk again. And I don't know how to deal with that. And those are some things that we just have to resolve and lay down, even though they're painful. So, um, but we can still heal. That's the beauty of ownership. I love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. So Mm. what about those that are sitting here thinking, okay, I, how do I evaluate if a friendship is healthy or not? How do Mm. I know that? Oh gosh. Oh, I'm like, what are the top 10 things? Well, I think for me, one of the the main things that I started to pay attention to, and again, this is because uh, of my issues with codependency is I had to go, what friendships do I have where I am emotionally carrying the burden of this relationship? I'm doing all the work. I'm doing all the texting, the calling, the setting up of things. I'm the one engaging in the conversations and making things fun where it's like, Hey, you know, I know that like gifts are not my love language, but I would love like a little active service every once in a while. You think of me, you know? So just, I think when it gets to a point where you realize, oh, wow, this is a very one way. This is very much a one way street. Just paying attention to that, especially with your, you got to know your own tendencies. You got to be self-aware. I think when people are boundaryless, and I love Havlet, I mean, I know Cloud and Townsend, I'm so grateful for them, but you also break down boundaries in such amazing ways. And I think if you've got a friend where you're constantly you're growing and moving forward and, and they, they're growing and moving forward, but then they just start throwing their crap into your yard going, Hey, take care of that for me. And you're like, "Mm, no, I'm not going to own that for you. I want to keep walking with you, but I think it's just paying attention to those little things. And, and then having the conversation, don't isolate and walk away from it. Like keep having healthy conversations with those people. And then if they just get more and more unhealthy, you're going to start to realize, well, I think there's little bit of change happening in this relationship. Those are just a couple of things, but they're so great. I love all of that. And, (laughs) you know, I think knowing your tendency, do you fight? Do you flight? Do you freeze? Do you fawn? Which we talked about on this podcast Mm -hmm. a while ago with a psychologist and really that idea of, am I always wanting to fight or am I always confronting them? Am I always having something? So that's actually a sign of being defensive and maybe hidden hurt. Yeah. Uh, some of us, it's, we all, we flee, we ghost our friends and yeah. then we're afraid like, oh crap, I've hidden from them because I'm angry about something. And so, you know, and I would say this, sometimes we get, we use verbiage of intimacy, but we don't actually know them that well. They haven't earned yeah. the right to know the deepest parts of our hearts. And so we can sometimes feel like we've had these conversations of radical honesty, but that doesn't mean that they are a sacred place for you to run to. And so even if somebody feels like you are, you don't have to reciprocate that like with them. That's not Sometimes there are certain you get to choose. I, yeah, I get to stay powerful in the friendship, and it doesn't mean that you show me yours, I show you mine. It's not that. <laughs> it's really yeah. not. It's that I, you have to build that. I don't owe you something. I don't just because you gave it to me. And really knowing that is really, really important because I know a lot of times I've been in friendships where people fast forward the friendship to where, you know, we call each other, and then all of a sudden it's a call every day and it's a text every day, and I'm thinking. And they're, you know, they're saying, you know, they're telling me about their inner world. And I'm thinking, I don't know you yet. I I love you. I love what I found in you, but I actually don't go this fast with anybody. It's not yeah. a person. It's not a you thing. It's a me thing. I yeah. know my, I know what it takes for me to be safe. I know what it takes for me to feel mm-hmm. comfortable. And I know the time that takes. And so if you're in it for the long haul, you're going to get the best of me, but it's going to take yeah. a minute. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, for some of us too, like we we're in friendships that 
they're not, it's over. And, you know, somebody once said what their friendships for seasons, their friendships for reasons, and then their friendships for the long haul. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how you would have it's said something it, like that. I forgot. There is some really cool way someone yeah, said it's it once like and I can never remember. I know it's mm-hmm. like your lifetime yeah. friends like those. Yeah. And that's statistically that's five people. Did you know that statistically, it's only about five people in your lifetime that are those kind of people that are your deep friends and then your seasonal friendships and your reasons. So reasons like your OB best friend, right? Like my (laughs) OB was my best friend. Um, and certain people that I was on staff with for me, they're friends for a reason. And that's the important part. And then there's friends that are seasonal. And that to me is the hardest friendship to know because most of the time I used to start out thinking their life time. And then you realize that things have shifted and it's not there anymore. And you're not sure what to do about it. And so I don't know about you, but do you find that too in your own life? Yeah. And I think that's really a a important thing to touch on for everyone that's listening. Cause I think sometimes, even when you set out, when I set out to write this friendship book, I think there was a part of my filter that wanted it to mean that everybody in my world is always for a lifetime. And it's just not, it's actually just not even true because I'm not friends with people from kindergarten still, or from, you know, it's just, it's, that's not a thing, but realizing that it is for, you know, a season, a reason, or for a lifetime. I think that's what it is, is actually a really healthy way to evaluate and see friendships and then not also be devastated or hard on yourself or hard on them when the job changes or the city changes or, um, the reason changes or, you know, and, and I, I, I actually think that's a really healthy way for people to evaluate and be in the relationships that they're in, in an intentional way. So, yeah, yeah. I love that. You know, one of the things that's difficult for me in friendships, and I remember this all growing up and even to this day, sometimes I don't feel weird about a friendship until I see that person with somebody that they're friends with. And I watch their interaction and I think, wow, they're very affectionate or they're very like, weepy with this person or they've connected. And I thought we were, I thought we were close. I thought this was normal and maybe we're not. And I think for me, I've had to really, um, personalize like how they are friends with somebody else. It's not a reflection of our friendship. We have our own relationship and that's on its own time and its own space. And the comparison of the friendship to me is where I end up getting stuck where I'm like, okay, no, they, it's okay. You don't, that's not who you are to them. And that's not who they are to you. So don't worry. Like it's all going to be, it's what it needs to be when it needs to be. And you keep showing up as the best version of yourself. And when it's the right thing, it'll, you'll know, but I don't know about you, but did you have, was it, what, what were signs that you struggled? And I'm curious to know that there were struggles. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I talk a little bit about this in the breakup with drama chapter, because that's the first um, part of the second half or the end. No, it's the end of the first half. And I think what I realized some of my tendencies, and I think a lot of us is um, the catastrophizing, like walking in and thinking like those, those thought patterns that we have when you, okay. So say I did walk into a situation like that and I was like, wow, I thought we were friends, but you're really friends with them. why do you guys laugh better and enjoy each other more? And, and, you know, and then just spiral, spiral, spiral. And I think for me, what I had to realize is, wow, I don't even need anybody else to create drama for me. I'm really good at it on my own in my own mind. And so I think that that's one of the major things for me that I have had to really work on is my thought patterns and my thought process. And, um, I mean, my husband's really good for that because he's like, wow, like what world did you just escape to in your mind? Because here's the reality that I see. I'm like, shut up. Like, (laughs) 
you're right, but also, um, but just going, okay, logically look at this. I think that sometimes what I have to do is pull the emotion out and look at the logic and go, this is what it is. And it's actually beautiful. And, and I don't need it to be something else for it to be special. So no, I, I think that that is one of those things that is really important. We've got to, in in essence, own the drama in our own lives and cancel it there before we try to, you know, work it out somewhere else. But I think that's been one of my biggest things is the catastrophizing. <laughs> oh, guilty. Totally guilty. So bad. Yeah. I get the, I get that badge as well. Okay. So Andy, as we close today, what's mm-hmm. one thing that you want every person who's listening today that you want them to know about friendship and something, the reason maybe, maybe it's the reason when you wrote the book, but what's the one thing that you hope everybody walks away with from this book? I think for me, the biggest thing that I realized in writing this and living this is that it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk to walk in healing. It's worth the risk to try again. It's worth the risk that, yeah, you may be hurt, but you also may cultivate some of the most beautiful friendships that you've ever had, whether they're lifelong for a reason or a season. But I, I think that's one of the most powerful things. And I end the book. I mean, I, it's a, it was a wild journey with God writing this, starting with the woman wound and ending with becoming spiritual midwives. And I think for me going, that is actually my heart is that I would truly see who somebody else was and birth the dreams, the God dreams that releases the gospel through their life and not be in a place where I'm like, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be better, but like genuinely come alongside other women and go, I love who you are. I love what's in you. And I want to walk with you and I want to cheer you on. And, um, I think that that's my hope is that we're not, we're not so navel gazing that we're only stuck in the first half of the book where we're constantly trying to get healed, but we're really genuinely championing. And that was hard to say championing. (laughs) (laughs) What was my tone there? Wow. (laughs) Championing and birthing the dreams of others and like finding genuine joy in that. And, And that's my hope that people would risk. I stinking love that. I love that. Cause that is what I find with people too, is like the reason you haven't been fulfilled in friendships is because you haven't really gone in it to serve other people. You're still looking for your own needs to be met. So that right there, I mean, that's, that's it. (laughs) It's true though. The Bible says, if you want friends then be friendly. So sometimes I'm like, if you want friendships, it's not about, are, are you worthy of friendships? You absolutely are. You worthy to be loved. And I mean, we we were just prophesying over somebody recently I was, and the Lord gave me this phrase, you are lovable. And I had her say it over and over and she's just Mm -hmm. in a puddle of tears. And I was said, the Lord wants you to know you are lovable. Say it. I am lovable. And for many of us, that is the narrative. The Holy spirit say to us, I am lovable. I'm a great friend. I'm interesting. I have a lot to give. And those things, I mean, I think we have to believe it over ourselves and, so yes. Andy, I just love this. Obviously we've, we've only touched scratch the surface of this incredible yeah. book. So how do people find the book? I know it's, uh, I know it's everywhere, but you sh- I mean, is there anywhere specifically you want people to go? I mean, honestly, you can go to Amazon. I mean, you can go on my website, andyandrew.com and just like see all the different places you can click to buy it. But Amazon is great. Cause when you leave reviews too, it's always helpful. Unless you it hated is. it. Don't leave a review. Yeah. If you didn't like it, I don't want to <laughs> know. Right. <laughs> We already have four kids complaining. Well, we don't need they, more complaining. Yeah, we know we are not doing right a lot. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I always say that too. Like, please leave, please leave reviews because then people find it. It's and true. That's the secret to people finding the content that that helps us. Mm-hmm. So, 
Andy, I love you. There's love so you. much more we could talk about. I mean, you're moving from New York. You're going to the South. We will have another conversation about all this. But you guys, make sure and find Andy on the socials. All of her details will be in the show notes, her website, the other books that she's written, which she has written other books, and it's phenomenal, as well as she has a show that she's been hosting. And so anyway, I love you, Andy. Give my love to the family. Thanks you. for being on here. And we will, for having we will me. do this again. Oh, we will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye-bye.